Hey, hey, it's Lou and welcome back to Shade. Today I'm in conversation with Echo Eschen. Echo is the curator of In the Black Fantastic, the new show at the Hayward Gallery in London, consisting of works of speculative fiction by 11 artists. The artists draw from history and myth to conjure new visions of African diasporic culture and identity. The show is punctuated by literary quotations from authors such as Suzanne Suzaire and Octavia Butler. I wanted to start the episode by reading one of the quotes from the show, which is from Octavia Butler's sci-fi novel, Parable of the Sower, because it's a really fitting entry into our conversation. The destiny of the earth seed is to take root among the stars. It is to live and thrive on new earths. It is to become new beings and to consider new questions. It is to leap into heavens again and again. It is to explore the vastness of heaven. It is to explore the vastness of ourselves. Okay, well, let's jump right in to the vastness of my conversation with Echo Eschen. I wanted to, to start off by talking about the, the literary quotations that punctuated the show because they really struck me and they allowed me to take a moment and pause as I moved from one area of the show to the other. And I really enjoyed that addition. And so you, you had quotes from uh, Suzanne Césaire and Octavia Butler, Franz Fanon and Elizabeth Alexander. And, in the introduction to this episode, um, I actually introduced Octavia Butler's quote. And her quote was from the sci-fi novel, Parable of the Sower. The quote talks about how our exploration of ourselves um, facilitates our journey towards renewal, in a sense. And it really encompasses the themes explored within your show, but also the themes within Afrofuturism. However, you have said that what you are drawing attention to in the Black Fantastic is distinct from Afrofuturism. And I just thought that was really interesting. And I wondered if you would like to walk us through the key differences between the two. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I started off working on the show, whatever it was, four years ago. And uh, at the beginning of that time, I was thinking a lot about Afrofuturism. It's a, you know, it's interesting concept but what I realized was that well certainly I'd suggest the times we're in right now and the work being produced by artists in the show but also more broadly across culture in film and tv and music and literature I think uh, runs wider and deeper than a term like Afrofuturism can encompass. Mm -hmm. So I guess two things to say about that. One, 
I've been using the term the Black Fantastic, which for me uh, is to do with the way that artists and Black creative figures are conjuring new visions and new possibilities of Blackness by drawing on history and myth and fable even by drawing on uh, just a very wide panoply of black cultural practices and even spiritual beliefs mm. um, as inspiration for the work they do. Um, and by comparison, a term like Afrofuturism, which is fine, which is, you know, I'd say falls within this territory, just doesn't encompass it all. Mm. Um, I think... Yeah, feels a bit it kind of feels a bit reductive right now yeah I mean, we're so used to images of you know pyramids and flying saucers that it conjures that we stop looking at just the nuance and complexity and depth and poetry of work that black creative figures are producing right now and i wanted to embrace the wonder and strangeness and sense of possibility involved in black creative practice rather than getting hung up on uh, like i said a, a term which i think feels a bit constrained right now mm-hmm. and it's that that sense of possibility that i kind of really felt very viscerally you know i had like um i think a show is successful for me if i'm not only having you know an intellectual and emotional response but also almost a physical response works that I'm seeing you know I can really feel them and and two things really stood out for me there and it was firstly the like the epic sweep of the show which points past the challenging realities of the African diaspora towards phoenix-like symbols of renewal and those possibilities of of what our future can reveal to us and and secondly despite the potential for heaviness you know that that can come with these themes within a show like this due to its historic references it wasn't heavy at all you know I met some friends there and I said you know sometimes I'm a bit um sort of a bit reserved when I'm entering a, a show that's got anything to do with um sci-fi or, or possibilities or worlds that aren't perhaps in reality because I don't know where it's going to take me and I don't know if I want to go there but actually I felt the opposite and I felt as though I was being really guided by you know almost benevolent presences they were there to hold me and guide me and take me through the show and I was taken to uplifting other worlds majestic worlds and i just wonder how conscious you were when you were in the early processes of curating um how how conscious you were of creating this uplift this momentum or was it just me that felt that <laughs> no i mean well look first of all thank you so much for 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 your response to the to the show um you know i hear that really gratefully mm. um, and you know, it's been such an interesting experience because we put together the show over the last couple of years and obviously the last couple of years have been pretty bleak in all sorts of ways. Mm. You know, so I proposed the show to the Hayward before COVID, before Black Lives Matter, but certainly by the time we started working on it, that's where we were. Yeah. And what I think about, I, I don't know about you, but I spent the past two years essentially at home, but the yeah. things that got me through this period of time were actually... Uh, 
was art yeah. and was poetry and were these were and especially once we got to this intersection of of covid and existential dread and actually black experience um partly george floyd and everything that followed from that but also the ways that certainly in the early stages of the pandemic especially in america black people disproportionately affected by covid in terms of deaths and infection rates and so on so i was thinking about this stuff a lot and i was thinking about and one of the one of the resources for me personally was just being able to look at and think about yeah, art and poetry and the ways that different creative figures have figured and thought through black experience and black existence and have fought to a place that is, as you say, somewhat about uplift. And the thing that's so fascinating to me is successful artworks, I think, can hold in the balance both life ex- experiences and uh, 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 gestures towards both life and death Mm. so the ground for all of this the ground that we walk on as people of the diaspora is this uh difficult charged fraught history to do with our forced uh arrival our abduction or forced arrival in the west to do with a long history of hostility and daily physical or psychological violence towards us Mm. What do we do with that history? What do we do with those legacies? One of the things that, that's proposed in the show, that the artist proposed in the show, is that we can both form a response to that, but we can also, as you said, in fact, look beyond that to our own ways of fashioning our way through the world. We can imagine ourselves whole. We can insist on our visibility and our humanness the whole of our humanness by defining ourselves, by dreaming ourselves anew. And that's one of the things that's going on in the show. And in part, you know, that mirrored my own, the things that I was thinking about, the things that I've been experiencing and feeling, and possibly not just me. So I wanted to show that um, had a tonality to it, had an emotional depth to it, because that's what the, I, that's what I see in the work anyway. And I wanted to share how I saw and what I had experienced and continue to experience really with the workers on the artists in the the exhibition. The ways in which they could do that to transcend was through um, travel and movement and migration. These were recurring themes and the artists explored how the physical and spiritual body travels by way of the sea or you know on horseback Hugh Locke's horseback riders and and by dancing and and so on and it was that constant movement as well creating that sense of buoyancy throughout the show like I was surfing a wave as I weave throughout um, each piece and I just wondered if again that those themes of movement and um, renewal just happened um, to work its way through um, the pieces or was that a considered point of, of focus for you and could you walk us through some of the works that did exemplify this this idea as well yeah certainly I mean look I suppose one thing to say is that, uh, that you go through different if you're like curating an exhibition it's a sort of nebulous term no one's quite sure what it means <laughs> but there's a kind of um i suppose there's an ideas part and there's a practical part so the ideas part is 
what's the proposition for an exhibition of the group show? What are you actually trying to say? What are you trying to explore? What happens when you bring together a disparate group of artists into one space? What are you saying through the connections that you are suggesting lie between them? So you're trying to illustrate that. And then there's a very practical thing about, well, what artworks are you actually talking about? Mm. You know, what physically is the experience? Mm. And so the two-year process, let's pretty much half and half. Half is about figuring out, well, if we're saying this, that has this, this implication and that implication and so on. And the practical part is, yeah, what are the artworks? Where do we get them from? How do we put them together? So as one illustration to that, for instance, I think we went through what I know, we went through about 37, over a course of a year, we went through about 37 different full-scale iterations of the layout of the show. Mm-hmm. We went backwards and forwards, time and again, re-juggling where the artists sit because mm-hmm. you're trying to find a way for them to be in sympathy with each other mm-hmm. in all sorts of different ways. Um, but the place where we get to is what I wanted ultimately is to get to a place where you have a series of encounters with artwork. So you come into the Haywood and the first thing you encounter is this uh, set of works by this artist, Nick Cave. Mm. Nick Cave is a Chicago-based African-American artist. He's just brilliant, amazing artist. Hasn't really been shown very much in the UK at all, but he's a big name in the US. So you come in and you have this huge piece called uh, Chain Reaction, which is this, um, this, this uh this floor to ceiling work which is a series of interlinked forearms arms clinging onto other arms going down from the um ceiling to the floor just in this long row uh, of these things and these are actually nick cave's own forearm uh that he's he's cast and sculpted into this linkage and you might think here of kinship but connection hmm. but also when you look closer at this the 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 way these hands grip onto each other, the linkage is actually very delicate. So you then think about the fraughtness of that and how unstable those connections are. And you think about how unstable black presence and black physical presence might be in a place like America, in a place like mm-hmm. Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, but then around in Nick Cave's space, we also have these other works you call sound suits, which is these amazing costumes. Uh, these which are you know set upon mannequins, which are kind of floral and decorative and sequined, but have a, a, a complicated backstory to them. So Nick Cave first started making these sound suits after the um, the uh, the beating of Rodney King mm-hmm. in the 1990s. He was so struck by the vulnerability of the black body. How Rodney King is hauled out of his car and beaten multiple times by different uh, policemen. So struck by this that he decided to make this suit. And this suit is uh, disguises race, disguises gender. It's part armour, part covert operations, but it's also celebration. It borrows from carnival and masquerade and these different forms of performance. It creates another way of being in the as a physical presence in the world that allows freedom and allows flourishing outside of a racialized gaze so these pieces are spectacular and they're made to be worn we show them as static items but nick cave stages performances with them so they're about this spectacular refusal to be cowed refusal to be put in a singular place physical possibility of celebration of form and celebration of movement too. And you go through the space and you have works by 
Wangechi Mutu that looked at African cultural practice and symbols and images. We have these great, spectacular, gold, gilded portraits by an artist called Leonardo Victor. We have Hugh Locke's figures, and he has these four horsemen. Um, well, these four figures that he creates that uh, sit on horses as sculptures. He calls them the ambassadors, and they are they're perhaps regal or they're perhaps miscreant, even bandit-like, but they look extraordinary. They're garlanded with all sorts of gold and bronze and decorations and so on. Just fantastic. And basically on and on. And the whole, the show is predicated really as a series of encounters. You go from one space to another and you meet this art proposition. So the exhibition is called In the Black Fantastic because at each point you're in a different environment. You're in another proposition of blackness as fantasy, as possibility, as dreaming. And that's how you progress through the show. You progress from one space, from one site of encounter to another. And I think even, so back to the practicalities of this thing, you work through all of these things on paper, but then the reality of it, you never actually know what it's going to feel like once you actually get to install in the works in a space. It turns out the feeling is good. The feeling is slightly unsettling. I so in as much as anyone else who comes into the space, I feel something similar as well. It's destabilizing mm. and dizzying and dreamlike and and that's what we hoped for. And hopefully that's what we get to. Yeah, well, I think you've been successful in that, you know, based on the reviews that are in, you know, the show's only been open for what a few days, yeah. less than a week. And I, I've read, you know, the most glorious reviews and responses to the show. So it's been a really successful start. And you've obviously, you know, personally had to go through a really rigorous process that has, has brought this vision of the Black Fantastic to us all. And I just wanted to finish up this conversation by, you know, having a quick survey of of your inner world, your experience of your personal journey of assembling the show that has, you know, taken you beyond the practicalities involved because we've discussed those, but how your investigation into the Black Fantastic may have provided insight for you into your position as a curator, uh, you know, in our in our ever changing dialogue around the arts and its its value in society, um, you know, you mentioned earlier that there's an insistence here on our visibility, and you know, we can imagine ourselves anew. And um, but I just wonder how personally that has been for you. Yeah, well, I mean, one one of the things I do, I tend to, uh, you know, as a curator, I tend to focus on the work of artists of color what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in fundamentally is trying to make space. Make space for those artists, but make space for uh make space within the culture as a whole for those works and the ideas that lie within those works and more broadly for black presence to be understood, to be shared, to be explored as a thing of nuance and complexity. Personally, I don't know about you, Lou, but personally for me, I get tired and exhausted at the ways that uh, black people are regarded as other and alien and marginal to mainstream discussion sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
how we have to continue to validate our existence the entire time. And so one of the things that, that matters to me as a curator is to create works that, or to create moments that allow us or uh, allow us to establish a space on our own terms um, and that hopefully invite uh, vistas of any you know kind from any place to look through the eyes of the uh, artists of the black artists in this case who create the show so I want to create a space that speaks of blackness as visibility but also blackness as an insistence upon empathy as an insistence on seeing what we see mm. and seeing the world in its complexity and also then seeing the world in its strangeness because one of the things I'm so fascinated by is how uh, just how strange and sometimes uh, distressing but also extraordinary the experience of being black in a racialized world is um, and I'm fascinated by the ways that artists manage to summon the difficulties and the stresses of that and within that conjure ways of seeing that expand our consciousness and expand I think uh, I suppose the feeling and the um, even the joy that we can hold and possess uh, just as citizens of the world. And creating, curating a group show gives hopefully some space to establish that as a shared world, as a shared way of seeing that anyone can take part in. Hopefully, who knows, take away from this also. And enable us as a consequence to be able to walk through the world with a bit less stress and a bit more sense of our own roots to possibility, roots to further aliveness and not denial of that aliveness. Thank you so much, Echo. It's been a joy. Thank you so much, Lee.